Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, where leaders on a mission to make the world a better place come to talk and learn about how communication, language, and words can help increase awareness, revenue, and impact with less stress and more joy. I'm your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Let's dive right in. Well, hello there, listener. Welcome to or welcome back to the Communicate for Good podcast. I'm Erica Barnhart, your host. Fasten your seatbelts if you're driving. I mean, you should have your seatbelt fastened, of course, obviously, always. But, you know, like your metaphorical seatbelt, because today's episode is a conversation I had with Michael DeLon, who is his whole jam is what he I think that he deemed it. He is the, the foremost expert in credibility marketing. Uh, I learned a ton during this conversation. And also Michael really like invited me to think differently about certain things. So I'm excited for you to, I'm excited for you to share it. He did a beautiful job uh, really putting it into the space of how nonprofits and other purpose-driven organizations and companies can think about this. I feel like we don't talk a lot about credibility, um, especially in the nonprofit space. And he has some really practical suggestions, suggestions, yes, and tips. He has a lot of background in nonprofit. His business, which he talks about, is actually to help authors write a book without ever writing a word, which is very intriguing. So that's like a specific piece of the puzzle, the credibility puzzle. He'll speak to that. He is so generous with his thoughts, his insights, his experience, his great big heart. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Michael as much as I did. It is, it goes at a pretty quick, quick clip. Um, so just, I just wanted to, to put you on warning for that. If you're like in a, whoa, you know, slow it down type of mood, you might, you might want to wait till you need a little pick me up for this particular conversation. But when you are ready, oh, give it a listen. He, he is a gem of a human being. And here we go. All right. With me today is Michael DeLon. Am I saying that right, Michael? You are saying that exactly right. Like you're going to go outside and mow DeLon. DeLon. (laughs) So I'm going to read you Michael's bio, but we just had a quick pre-chat. And um, so I want to preface the bio by saying, Michael, because so many of you listeners work for nonprofits or foundations or like very squarely in the social good space. And I think you might hear his bio and think, Michael doesn't understand us, but he does. And so we'll get into that. So I'm going to read the bio and then and then we'll kind of go into that. And really, I invited Michael on because he's an expert in what he refers to as credibility marketing. Well, you have the credibility calculator, which I want to get to. And that's, that's right. what I was going to say. And also you made, so you're, I mean, you are a marketing genius in my mind. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, all the, these things that you do that are just so, so powerful. But you made this sort of provocative claim in one of your emails recently that if you do marketing well, you kind of don't have to worry about sales or fundraising yes, if we're going to put it yes. in nonprofit speak. So that I was like, okay, we got to talk about that. So here is Michael's official bio, and then we'll dive in. So Michael serves business experts and thought leaders to create a book without writing a word. 
As the number one Amazon bestselling author and America's foremost authority on credibility marketing, he teaches how to establish and market your credibility to gain more clients, I'm adding, or donors, or volunteers. (laughs) Business owners seek out Michael to clarify their message, make them a bestselling author, and set up their profitable podcast. They use his credibility marketing strategies to gain clients, get referrals, and grow their revenue. Since 2013, he has worked with business owners across the United States and internationally to establish and market their credibility. Notice how many times you've heard the word credibility just in his bio. (laughs) Color commentary. Michael is the husband of one, I love this, and father of four. He's a committed follower of Jesus Christ who is deeply involved in his church. You can normally find Michael investing time with his family, reading a great book, or facilitating growth in the lives of those around him. Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, Michael. So great to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And now you are in Little Rock, Arkansas. I am. And what you said, it's like a spring-like day there today? It's a spring-like day. Yeah, it's probably 70 outside today. And that's probably 10 to 12 degrees warmer than it should be. Well, that's because, so our heat went to you. I'm based in Seattle. You're welcome. I'll take it. (laughs) We we just sent it. The flowers are coming up. We sent it your way. Okay. So I want to come back. Can we just dive into the... Absolutely. I want how did you end up getting interested and in becoming an expert in credibility marketing? That's a great story. All right, so let me in in about 3 or 4 minutes, let me just tell you my whole story and it'll it'll answer that question, okay? Okay. So, yeah, you mentioned I'm a follower of Christ, been married for 33 years to my wife Jill. We have four kids, two biological, two adopted. Those two adopted kids came through foster care that we did for 8 years, okay? Jill and I got married in 1990. First five years of our marriage were like this. I don't know if you can hear that, but we fought like cats and dogs because we are complete opposites, okay? Even though she and I both grew up in church, nobody taught us how to be married. And so after five years of conflict, we went to a family life marriage conference. Family life's a part of Campus Crusade for Christ. We sat in a ballroom for a weekend and they showed us, shared with us God's blueprints for marriage. I didn't know he had blueprints. So we got the blueprints. We started applying them. Our marriage started getting better. This was in the 90s. Okay, back in the 90s, I worked for a Christian radio station in in sales. So I I would help you grow your business through buying Christian radio. After two years of selling Christian radio, Erica, I realized nobody wants to buy Christian radio. They want to sell their products and services. So I had to make a decision. I could either become really good at selling or I could become really good at marketing. So I chose marketing. I bought the books, went to the conferences, followed the gurus, learned how to do marketing for small business owners. And my business grew through the 90s. At the end of the 90s, uh, God led us out of the um, radio station to a startup.com back when Amazon was just getting started. Remember William Shatner on the radio talking about the world's largest bookstore? I was out selling websites and banner ads to hospitals and car dealerships who didn't know what I was doing. Well, that company was ahead of its time, which means Eric A went bankrupt. And so I found myself standing in the in the living room of my house, looking up at the ceiling, going, God, what am I supposed to do now? He spoke to my heart. He's like, Michael, I want you in a ministry to families, and I want you at Family Life, that ministry that changed our life. And so I raised support as a missionary for two years because they're part of Campus Crusade, and so they don't pay you to work there. So we raised our financial support, and then we moved from Indiana down to Little Rock, Arkansas, which is the world headquarters of Family Life, started serving in their radio department, made a lot of sense, thought I hit nirvana, thought I'd be there forever. Climb the corporate ladder. Six years later, I'm on the leadership team. Things are great. They start going through corporate reorganizations. Third reorganizational chart comes out, and my name's no longer on the leadership team. And so they start shuffling me around the ministry to do different things. That began a two-year prison term for me. 
where I was in a job I hated at a ministry I loved. So after two years, I got really fed up and frustrated. I said, God, I got to get out of this place. He's like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to help business owners with marketing because they struggle with it and I love it. And he said, go. So on January 1st of 2013, I escaped from prison. I left ministry, started a marketing consulting firm. I'd come out to you and say, Erica, I think I can help you grow your business. And you'd meet with me. We'd have a great conversation. And you'd say, now, Michael, what have you done in the last few years? Who have you helped? I said, I'll help build marriages and families at Family Life. And you say, Michael, that's honorable. Way to go. Oh, look at the time. I've got another appointment coming up. Let's reschedule and talk again. And you'd usher me out the door. I wasn't getting any clients. I knew I had to fix it. So I went to my church, second floor, hallway. I was pacing the floor saying, God, how do I help Erica? Because I know that I can. And he gave me the idea to take all of my marketing strategies and put them in a book. And so in 2013, I published my first book on marketing. Then, Eric, I would call you. I'd set an appointment. I'd mail a copy of my book to you. I'd walk into your office a week later for that appointment, and there it was. My book was on your desk, dog-eared, highlighted, underlined. You'd read my book. And in that meeting, you'd say, now, Michael, in your book, and you'd open up a page and you'd say, you said something. How do you help me do that? And you'd hire me. And I started gaining clients. Now, let me ask you, what changed between those two meetings? The only thing that changed was how you thought of me. When you got a copy of my book, I instantly became an expert in your mind. And that changed everything for me. And I thought, wow, this is so cool. Why don't business owners do this? Well, Erica, I don't know if you've written a book yet, but it's really hard. There's a lot to it. So I went and sat down and built a spreadsheet and, and built a system and a process that eliminates every barrier to creating a book, planted a seed that today has grown into paperback expert, where we help experts, business leaders, nonprofits create a book without writing a word and then use it in their business to gain clients, grow revenue, develop donor base, get more funding. That's what we do. I talk fast. And I was like, wow, he's talking so fast. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm working on it, actually, Michael. I've, yeah. I've come to realize that for some, that it can be like exhausting for others to listen to how quickly I speak. So I'm really working on slowing down. It is, I know. But you, I mean, we're the same. We, we get very excited about what we're talking about. Will you share your just, I think that this is sort of a new people's listeners, some of their brains might have been like, well, either like, I'm not an expert or organization. Mm. Like, how would that work? Who yeah. who would we send the book to? I mean, I'm mindful. And if you could talk about it, like, so we invest, uh, make an investment in a book, mm -hmm. always an opportunity cost. So why a book? And are there other, I refer to them as mechanisms in the Claxon method. There's what does success look like? Who's your target audience? And then how are you going to do it? So a book is a how. Right. What are, what's a common scenario where they're like, we're doing X and we're thinking about doing a book? Like, how does that play out specifically for nonprofits? Yeah, specifically for nonprofits. It's very funny. Uh, and I told you this. I had a call with a nonprofit this morning who's thinking about doing a book, right? And they've got donor bases and they're, they're trying to build a, a larger donor base. I said, great. How do you do it now, right? Well, you know, we do events and we've got a website and we've got donor people who, who make calls to donors. And, and what are you trying to do? We're, we're trying to get an appointment. Really? To tell your story, right? Yeah. Really? Have you ever thought about doing that in the pages of your book? And then you you have your list of potential donors and you put your book in a in a wonderful, I call it a welcome and wow kit. It's a nice box. Well, let's can we just pause on this? A welcome and wow kit. Yes. That's because fun. that's it's it's an experience. I yeah, want to donor delight. 
Love it. I want a donor delight box. I love that. So you put your your book in with maybe a brownie or a delightful food item, some in a little bit of information about you, and you mail it to these donors. It's going to get past the the receptionist. It's going to get on their desk, and they're going to open it. And that's step one. Okay. What about I just have to channel channel some listeners who are like that sounds expensive, and we have donors who don't even want us to mail them a newsletter, mm -hmm. let alone what was it something in Wow. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome and wow. wow. Welcome. Yeah. And those donors and those donors are, are cognizant of their investment in the ministry. Mm -hmm. Right. So don't. Yeah. I mean, send me an email newsletter because I want all of my money that I'm supporting you to go to, to stuff. I'm talking about donors who aren't donors yet. These are prospective okay, donors. So this is an acquisition. Acquisition. Thank you. That yeah, acquisition. And so I'm trying to acquire a new donor. How many other nonprofits are knocking on their door every day, every month with the same type of pitch, the same approach? Why don't you reposition everything and show up totally differently? You have a story to tell as a nonprofit. Why do you wait to tell your story until you have somebody in front of you? You should be telling your story in video. You should be telling your story through the pages of your book. You should be telling your story through a podcast to give people multiple opportunities to hear your story. How do you serve your constituents? Why should they want to be involved with you? Giving them multiple on-ramps to build a relationship. Here's a marketing principle that anybody can use, especially a nonprofit. Reach the heart mm -hmm. to convince the mind. Mm -hmm. Look at the marketing that you're doing as a nonprofit, and I would assure you, I would argue 80 to 90% of it's logic versus emotion. Flip that around through storytelling. Outside of Hollywood, one of the best ways to tell a story is through the pages of a book. And donors read books by themselves, not in groups. So you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation so that by the time they actually get that first meeting with you, it's about a third or fourth meeting. They already know who you are. They know your vision. They know your passion. They now want to say, okay, who's running this place and can I be on board? What are the things, and I think I'm going to attribute this to you, Michael, even though at this point I'm not sure. Was it Michael? But I'm going to attribute it to you and you're going to tell me if you did in fact write this in an email recently, which is, it was, I thought, really sage strategic counsel about sort of starting your, your email, okay, story, but let's say the story comes out in an email. And you want to think about what is, what's the story going on for the recipient, for the donor? And then you want to kind of come on in like you're part of that. Like, oh, hey, hey, you're thinking about Valentine's Day just happened recently, right? So like not having it about Valentine's Day, it's about like the narratives that your readers and your donors might already have going on. And then you're, you're sort of like coming in midstream is how I interpreted it. Yep, that was me. That's entering the conversation that's already happening in the mind. Yeah, that's a more succinct way of saying all the words that just came out of my mouth. So exactly, <laughs> yeah. I'll attribute that to, I think it's Robert Caldini. He said it years oh. and years ago, okay? So I just borrow things from smart people. And that story came out of because, yeah, I, I, went, I took my daughter for a, um, a or no, I was at a, I was at Chick-fil-A one morning for a Bible study. This was like a week and a half before v Valentine's Day. I got my chicken biscuit. I opened it up and the biscuit was shaped like a heart 
because it's a week before that's Valentine's right, Day. That's right. Yeah. They had balloons on the wall where I could take my picture with my daughter. Guess where I took my daughter for Valentine's Day? Chick-fil-A. You betcha. Because they entered the the conversation that I was already having had nothing to do with chicken sandwiches. All right. Same thing happening in your donors' lives. What are they thinking about? And how can you write emails or blog posts or videos that that start there? And then weave, because I'm sure I had a marketing point in that email, right? Because that's what I do. I start with a story and I weave it to marketing. Mm-hmm. Same thing in, in a nonprofit. Start with a story, weave it to your cause, and think about what's in it for that donor. Why should they be involved in making a difference in the lives of these children or women or whatever you do? I am hearing a theme, I believe, that's around like a combination of like delight, surprise, Kind of the unexpected, yeah. but not because I want to be attentive to the fact that we are coming out of, you know, the pandemic and that's been hard, on, you know, worldwide that our central nervous systems are a little racked, mm-hmm. you know, and rattled. So like surprises aren't always welcome. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right now, like, I don't know. Thank you. COVID was a surprise. No, thank you. And yet the unexpected, like w- when you pitch it, like at the right kind of altitude, it can really like have a huge impact right now. It can. When I talk about messaging, okay, which is always the first thing we talk to any client about. Marketing point, write this down. What you say is more important than where you say it. I don't care if you use Facebook or LinkedIn or TikTok or direct mail or video. I don't care until you have a message that needs to be heard and that will resonate with your audience. All of those are just channels. They all work productively when they're used properly, but your message is king. So we always start with message, right? Delight. My message is around credibility marketing. My audience understands that. I send a daily email to my audience. They know that it's going to be a story of some nature And then there's going to be a turn to their business and how it all relates. That's how we write. That's how we speak. That's usually how we try to create books is story-based that tells a story of maybe somebody you've served, and then it turns to what you do in your your organization and how somebody can be involved. Uh, I may not be alone in hearing, I send out an email a day. Daily. Yeah. Scares the daylights out of everybody. (laughs) So, so can you like go behind the scenes here for a second? So there's some sort of sales funnel or marketing funnel where somebody like takes the credibility calculator and then forevermore they get in. An daily email. Daily daily, da- like practically speaking, yep. you have somebody who's writing these. They're all the same. Oh, they're, they're every one of them is very unique. Very unique. And, and a lot of times it's about something that I experienced in, in the day. Like I went to Home Depot the other day and something happened with one of the people and I wrote an email about it. Uh huh. And I turned it to marketing. Everything that I do is turned towards marketing, credibility, marketing, business growth of some nature because that's who I am. That's what I do. But it's they're everyday occurrences. Okay. Writing emails is not difficult. Once you understand a system and a formula to do it, it it takes me less than 12 minutes to write a daily email. You like literally generate them every day. Oh, totally. Every day. Monday through Friday, every day. People say, well, that's too much email. Yeah, there we go. Written well, because they're story based. They're usually, all right, format. You have to look at the format of how I do it. 
usually one sentence, space, one sentence, two spaces, one sentence, two spaces. It's easy, a lot of white space, okay? Uh -huh. Yeah. Because yeah. I can write a really long email, but it doesn't feel long. Number one, because I, I format it properly. Number two, I have a, I'm telling you a story. I'm, I'm thrusting you into a story. And you're like, all right, my Chick-fil-A email. Here's how it started. It's 6.30 a.m. On, on, on Friday morning, and I'm sitting at Chick-fil-A. You notice how that sounds totally different than anything else you've ever gotten. I've thrust you into the thing you're sitting. 6.30, why, what are you doing at Chick-fil-A at 6.30? I know, that seems like not a 6.30 a.m. type of thing. It is, but it is for me every Friday. And then I talk, say, you know what? I'm waiting for my other guys to show up for the Bible study. So I've ordered my Chick-fil-A biscuit, and I, get, and I open it up expecting to see a Chick-fil-A biscuit. But that's not what I see. You're right. sitting there going, well, what'd you see? Oh, I opened it up and I see a Chick-fil-A biscuit that's shaped in the form of a heart. Oh, by the way, it's about 10 days before Valentine's Day. And Chick-fil-A knows that I'm starting to think about Valentine's Day. And then I go into my marketing of how brilliant they are to do that because I'm coming back on Valentine's Day, right? In your business, are you anticipating what your customers are thinking about and talking to them about that? Michael, what do you say? Because you have, I mean, this is on brand for you because you have a very conversational, casual, colloquial style. Do all, I mean, in terms of format and having a, right? But like, what do you say to listeners who maybe their organization or they as a leader have a more formal style? Mm -hmm. Yeah, be, be yourself. Be true to yourself in your organization. You don't have to be me. Good golly, please don't be me. But you have to be true to yourself because I want to resonate with you and your organization. And if that's who you are. Now, let's let's be clear. Is that who you are because that's who you think you need to be? Or is that who you are because that's who you are? Okay, I did not do video for a long time. Okay, because I didn't, I don't have a great studio. I don't have the best lighting. I don't dress like oh, I think people should. Oh, I think you're rocking a green Eddie Bauer t-shirt. It just doesn't matter. But until I realized it doesn't matter and that I can show up like Michael, I don't need a script to do a video. When I do videos, I don't use scripts. Sure. I want to show up authentically. But and we, really, you and I share something in common, Michael, which is like we run our own businesses. So we get to make these calls, which is part of <laughs> I mean, I am I, I, I am an associate teaching professor at the University of Washington. And I, I love that. But, you know, Claxton lets me play. Right. It lets right. me and not that I can't be my full self there. But, you know, I get to be like, let's try this. Let's try this. When you are in a larger organizational context, you don't always have license do all the, you know, to just riff and try it and, because other people are involved in the decision-making. So how do you help clients move through that sort of collective decision-making about how individuals should show up authentically? Yeah, it, it would be around the, the you, we'd have to have that discussion on a nonprofit at kind of the board level, honestly. Why the board level? If I'm the marketing guy for, an or, for a nonprofit, at the end of the day, either the president or the board is going to dictate how we show up. So if I just show up as the marketing guy saying, I'm going to do this, and they haven't given me the authority to do that, I'm going to get my hand slapped, right? And I might put something at risk. So as long as the board and the president is are on board and they say, okay, Michael, we've hired you to do marketing. Go make it happen. Here, here are the guardrails. Don't go past the guardrails. They're there for a purpose. Inside the guardrails, like a highway, you all got all kinds of freedom. Okay, let me give you an example. I used to work for Family Life, 
that ministry, right? Big organization, worldwide ministry. I was in the radio department. We had air times on radio stations all across the nation. And occasionally we would switch air times for our radio program. So instead of 6.30 in the morning, it switched to 8.30 in the morning or whatever. Well, we had to notify our donor base out there and our listeners. So I created a postcard for this family ministry, right? On the front of the postcard, it had a baby on a changing table with this kind of his legs up with a diaper. And the headline said, sometimes change is a good thing, dot, dot, dot. That is hilarious. It worked wonderfully because i that's the response I got. Okay. Now, two years later, we got a vice president of marketing from corporate who came in from outside the organization and said, oh, that is off brand. That is not good. We cannot do that anymore. And so they, pardon the term, they castrated my marketing and I had to go with standard stuff. Didn't work as well. Yeah. That's why I said you have to have the buy-in from higher on. If they've given you freedom, oh, we can talk. This is, I mean, I'm hearing to buy-in, but actually specifically what I'm hearing you say, which I think is good counsel, is buy-in about what, you know, what does success look like? What are the specific results that we're looking to achieve? And then so long as you're achieving those, I mean, let's just obviously without harming people, without, you know, in an ethical way, let's just call it in an ethical way, Right. Because then you can say, hey, look, I know the baby maybe felt a little out there, but like, actually, we got better results. So totally. I did think yeah. that shifts the conversation. And I was re reacting because oftentimes I feel, I think this depends on the size of the organization. Sometimes, it, you know, if the larger, larger the organization, the, the less appropriate it is for the board to be involved in totally. like totally. blessing them, you know, the marketing or communications that, but you... So wherever listeners, wherever that buy-in needs to happen, you know where it needs to happen. And this is why in the Plaxa method, it's always what does success look like? Who do you need to reach? How are you going to reach them? Right. So that it comes back to this neutral ground and you're not having like the turf battle over the the how. Like, should it be a book? Should it be an email? Like, what's the how? So have that buy-in happen at the around the what. Okay. I want to make sure that we talk about your credibility calculator. Oh, okay. I, I mean, who doesn't love like a calculator, you know, Plaxin, we have the communicate for good quiz. We have all sorts of stuff. Okay, so I took this and I'm fairly expert in my, you know, my field. Like there's not many people who do research on individual words and all of these things. I got a 67 out of 100. And I was like, that doesn't seem very good. And I'm sure things like I don't do a lot of video so what does that mean? I'm an organization. I take this, I get a 67 out of 100. How do I interpret that? Yeah, just means you need to do a little bit of work. We all have a, uh, a credit score and we work to build our credit score so we get better loans on house, right? Same concept. Everybody has a credibility score. Do you know yours? Credibility is, is really how does your audience think about you. How does your audience interpret whether or not you are a credible person, organization, whatever? So people kept asking me about that because I talk about credibility all the time. And so I created this, this questionnaire. 20 questions takes less than five minutes to take. You can find it at paperbackexpert.com. Just go there, take it. It will give you a score, 67 out of 100. Now what you're going to get are five videos that will help you understand how to improve your credibility rating. OK, because you want to work, you want to get from a 67. I mean, ideally, you want to be 100 or in the high 90s. Because I've looked at what 
communicates credibility to marketing effects take place in the mind of your audience. It's how they think about you. And the 20 questions that we put there have a lot to do with how people think about you. Are you brand new in business? Have you been in business five years or more? Right? Do you do a lot of podcasts? Do you have a best-selling book? Things of the, These are questions that I ask that will get you a score of 67. 67 is you know, fairly good, actually. For most, I mean, I get okay, people, I'll I get, stop feeling badly about say, my score. Yeah, no, I, I get them at 20s and 30s all the time. But there, there were questions about, which I thought was interesting to think about for nonprofits, about media coverage and awards. And the reason I, I, mean, I, I totally, truly get that. I always get a little edgy, especially these days around like, so who decides on the awards? You know, who are the gatekeepers in media, right? And just from the perspective of diversity, equity, inclusion, and access, like what's the relationship between the credibility and kind of white gatekeeping? How do we address that? Yeah, great question. I don't know that I have the answer, but it, it really comes to what does the audience think? Because you and I can come up with all kinds of answers, but what does the public think? What do your donors think about all of these? My my gut says, if you're in local media, if you're on the morning show and they're talking about your nonprofit and how you're making a difference in the community, that carries probably more weight than being on ABC News many times, okay? Not all the time, but many times because it's local if you're a local nonprofit. If you're a national nonprofit, get on ABC News, right? It's so much more than that in, in having that credibility than on your website to go, here's other people who have endorsed our nonprofit and what we are about. And it doesn't always have to be media, right? It yeah. can be lots of things, but taking that and putting that on your website, putting that on on, on your email signatures or wherever. You know, one thing that, I, that occurs to me as I hear you talking, because I mean, I think it is a big issue around gatekeeping and who gets to decide who's on the morning show and, you know, locally or whatever. It's, it's a really big issue. Um, and, you know, marginalized people and people of color have been, you know, not always welcome in those spaces. And I think we're making headway. And that's just still, we still have issues around oh, yeah. Long you way know, gatekeepers. So, but I'm realizing, because another one was like, how many testimonials you have? And I'm like, okay, I do pretty well on that front. You know, like, and I, you know, I haven't really taken a look at this recently, but I can't conjure very many on websites. I wonder if nonprofits are underusing, underutilizing donor testimonials. Like you'll see that in appeal letters. She don't have saying like hundred percent. And I don't understand why that is. Well, I, I could see it from the perspective of wanting to be sensitive to you know, to donors. But if you love an organization, I think we under and I say we because you know, I consider myself to be part of that community. When you love an organization, you want to talk about that organization, right? I mean, this is why I razz board, board of directors all the time who are like, our goal is to raise awareness. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's my goal. No, it's not, right? I don't say it quite. I say, so that what? Yeah, so that, yeah, exactly. Raise awareness, so that what, right? And that comes from, and I always want to acknowledge, that comes from a really beautiful place of love. For the organization. So how can we bring that out more in ways that feel good to the donor and benefit the organization? Yeah. So number one, ask the donors. And if you got a donor who wants to do it, here's what I would do. I would do it on video. I would go sit down with them or do a Zoom call if they're not around and just ask them, 
tell me, you know, Erica, thank you for being such a great donor to our, to our nonprofit. We are just, we love what you do and, and your commitment to us. Can you tell me why is it of, of all the opportunities you have to give, why do you partner with us to make a difference in the lives of these people, right? Let them share their story all right, in video, get their permission to use it. And now you can put that video on your website, on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. You can have it as a series of what our donors say. You can transcribe that. So now it can be text on mm -hmm. your website, on your emails, on your blog post, on your Facebook. You can do so many things with it, but you're going to capture that donor's heart more so in a short video conversation. That's just, it's a casual interview. It's kind of like what we're doing here. And if, exactly. I mean, I'm part of a lot of nonprofits who, you know, we, we, we adopted through foster care. There's a nonprofit in, in Little Rock, Arkansas that works between the churches and DHS mm -hmm. and it's called The Call. And I'm a big fan. That's where I got my two daughters. We fostered about 25 kids. I'm a big fan of what they do, right? Would I give a testimonial for them that they could use on their blog post or their website? Absolutely in a heartbeat. Michael, why video? Why are you such a fan of video, Michael? Make the case. Because video is how we connect to people, okay? It's, it's if, if you and I met at a coffee shop, we never met before, or a birthday party, what are we going to do? We're going to sit and we're going to talk a little about video communicates. It's what, I mean, you're, you're a communication specialist, Erica. How much of our communication is done non-verbally? Okay, well, now there's some pushback on that research, but it's about 60 to 70 percent. It's over 50 percent. Okay, enough said. People's heart. Here, here's the other thing. In, in our company, we create books without you writing a word. The way we do that is we have writers who interview you and you speak to write your book. Really important. Why? Number one, it's faster. Number two, when you type and when you speak, speak, you're using different parts of your brain. I want you to speak because that's where your passions are coming out. Okay. I want to capture that. If you're a donor, if you're raising support, you're raising funds, that's a passionate, emotional decision. We make decisions emotionally first. Then we find the logic to justify what I want to do. We sure do. We sure That's do. why I love video so much because it allows me to connect at a deeper level. Do you want to know a fun fact about the word emotion? Yes. It has the same, so it's Latin based word. And actually the root of it is M-O-T, which is from the word, the Latin word motar, which means to move. So motor, motar, which then the word in French, the evolution is mo, which is word. So words are the primary driver of emotion. Yeah, oh, I like that. Etymologically speaking. I love it. Fun, right? And that, no, that's fun. And and so let me let me put my spin on it. It's a it's a um, it's a spiritual word. It's a God word because you go back to Genesis one one in the Bible. In the beginning, God spoke the world into create. Creation is spoken. You have a nonprofit. You are doing amazing things. If you want to create a bigger impact, you need to speak. Here, here here's what I'd love for your audience to do, Erica. Okay, I want them to go to. All of the competitors' websites, all yes. the, and compare them and see what's similar. Here's what's going to happen: you're going to find that they're all text, they're all using images from you know like a year or ten years ago, and there's very little video, and they're all the same. In, whether you're in a business or a nonprofit, you're a coffee bean. 
What I mean by that is I love coffee, Erica. If you pour coffee beans on the table in front of you, they all look the same and they smell the same. And in your messaging for your nonprofit, if you look like and sound like all the other nonprofits, you're not giving me a reason to lean in and give to you and partner with you to make a difference. One of the easiest ways to change that is video. There's not very much cost to do video. You've got a laptop or a computer and a microphone. Go for it. Yeah, I think that's one thing that has really changed. It was changing before COVID. And I really feel like that the pace of like access accelerated to video because there was this idea like one, it has to be super shiny, like it has to be professionally done. So we were already getting like, no, actually it could be, you can take your phone. Do that. The quality doesn't have to be. And in fact, people are responding more to like, like you said, like it's a connection thing. They're responding more to the less, less like shiny. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Who gets more views? Your local TV station with their shiny professional or YouTube? Somebody who has a channel on YouTube. That's just like me and this, right? And here's the deal. And, and I'm going to be offensive here for just a minute. And that's okay. And you're going to have to forgive me in advance. Nonprofits are just like businesses when it comes to marketing. They're in an industry, okay? And they look at that industry for all things, marketing, messaging, everything. And in business, we call that marketing incest. When you're looking at your competitors and doing exactly what they are doing, and I would tell you to stop it. If you're a nonprofit, you need to raise your head up and look around to see what other industries are doing to communicate a message in a powerful, compelling way and adopt some of those. Do you know what I think is interesting? I, I mean, I agree. It's what I teach. So, I, you know, we're, you know, with my clients on. And I think that that there is a, a thing that we need to address more often, which is when, when you say that most people are, are going to agree with you, right? Like, of course, we need to stand out. Yes, yes, yes. They're going to nod along. And then you go to actually show up, to speak differently, to write differently, to do different things on the website, to like do video, to, right? And there's this stall out because you're not, because you are in fact doing the thing that your, your conscious mind is like, yes, yes, logically, we should stand out. We will make it easier for people to connect with us and engage with us. But I think this is a subconscious mind thing that's like, that's not safe. I mean, fundamentally, we're meant to be, you know, in our tribe. And so, I mean, I, I do a ton of work with my clients, especially my one-on-one -on -one when I'm coaching leaders around communication, around limiting beliefs, releasing limiting beliefs. And this is a piece that I work on at the organizational level because it's inevitable. Like, I just had this with a client, like a very high-profile client who shall remain nameless. And in theory, when we were like, hey, here's the new message sheet, people were like, that's amazing, yes. A month later, when we were like, now it's time for you to start using it, they were like, whoa, whoa, what the what, what? Which is partially about change. You know, as humans, we crave progress, we resist change, get it? But I think this is a different thing, which I just wanted to name. This can really feel uncomfortable to be different. It can. And my challenge back, and you, you can take this to your, your clients, is, is there more risk in changing or is there more risk in staying this yeah. okay i've got a client he's he came to me he, he called me he's a friend and he's like i'm having trouble with my business i said great tell me his message is pathetic he came through one of my coaching programs 
We looked at what he did. We finally figured out what he did. We said, okay, here's your new message. Here's the new name of your company. It hits your target audience like a atom bomb, and it will change the game for you. That was about two and a half months ago. He sent me an email today, and guess what the name of his company is? Same thing it was. <gasps> oh. He's resistant to change, yeah, and he is still struggling. So I get it. It happens in business. It happens yeah, in nonprofits. Yeah. It takes somebody with enough guts. Yeah, you know, I I did a, a like a like a little truing up last year, and I went from Claxton Marketing to Claxton Communication because that's much where the space that that the work is. And marketing felt a little too narrow for me uh, for for the work we do. Um, and even that, I was like, ooh, you know, it's change. Yeah. And so that's, a, I mean, that was a very minor, important, yet in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't like I renamed the company. I've also done that and I've done it for a bunch of clients. Uh, that's a big deal. When you get a client who embraces it. Okay. So I've got a financial advisor client in Nowhere Land, Indiana. She's just financial and, you know, it, it'd be like if, if, well, her name's Kimberly Polar, who cares? Right. And, and it was like, you know, polar.com and I'm a financial advisor and I help you with Medicare. And we're like, blah, 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 blah. Kimberly, what's unique about you? She lives in a farming community. Very important here. Farming community. We started talking about what she does and everything. And she talks about seasons of life and think mm. about farming seasons. And, and we, we started new and we said, all right, kind of. Here's your new branding. Here's everything. We're going to change everything about you, Kimberly. You're going to become the financial meteorologist. <laughs> Reliable predictions for the for seasons of change. What do farmers do every day? They think the about the weather. Why do weathermen miss the weather so much? Because they cannot predict the weather. Same thing in finance. Why do people lose money in retirement? Because you can't predict the markets. So you come to the financial meteorologist who will give you a reliable prediction for the seasons of change, right? It all fits for her because of where she is and who she is, right? Every nonprofit can do the same thing. What did I just do there, Erica? I created a message that's different from everybody else that's unique to her and her audience, and it's changing her business and making it easier for her to talk about what she does to help people and serve people. Nonprofits can do exactly the same thing because they have a powerful story to tell. They're just not telling it. I'm sure listeners of the show are telling it. I just, you know, want to say that. <laughs> At least, you know, maybe they've got a few tips and tricks. This is great. Now, if, you, if I offend you, don't listen. Don't follow me. Follow Erica. But I, no, no, I just, no, no, no. This, I've learned. I've learned, Michael, from you in this conversation. I appreciate that. You know, it makes my heart happy whenever I get to uh, spend time with somebody who loves what they do as much as you love what you do. If people want to find out more about you and your company, where should they go? Paperbackexpert.com. That's the hub of all things Michael. You can learn what we do, get free resources, take the credibility calculator. Yeah, take it. Paperbackexpert.com. Yeah, it, that, that is a great, it's a great tool. Um, I'm like, you know, I'm a geek, right? So I'm, and, and like I, it's super I simple a lot too, of right? survey design, you know? And so I like, I'm always like eyebrow raised on this and I'm like, oh, I see where you go. Okay. Okay. No, good stuff. And I, I just, I really appreciate you kind of, I, I feel like you've done such a good job of sharing and showing through words how, if you really get into marketing, it just, it supports sales and fundraising so much. They're symbiotic. You know, I was using this, I was on a podcast earlier today and 
I was saying like, sometimes these are at odds, you know, it's like marketing sales or marketing fundraising. Hmm. And I invite, you know, organizations like to have shared purpose, right? To really get clear on personal purpose and shared purpose and to think like, think about it like you're all in the same garden. And if you're all really, you've decided what you're going to grow, right? You've decided what you're going to grow. Marketing is in charge of the soil to a great extent, right? Making it just as rich and fabulous as possible. So it's easy to grow whatever you've co-committed to growing. So I'm hoping that, you know, over time, these turf wars kind of ease a little bit because it doesn't, especially if you're mission-driven or purpose-centered, you know, it doesn't serve, uh, doesn't serve you and doesn't serve the people you care about. Let me leave you with this analogy. And I, I've never really used it in marketing, but I think it, I think it fits. Let's hear it. All right. We always hear you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Uh-huh. Okay. So you can go find a donor, but you can't make him give, right? Let's put it there. I, I totally agree. But, but you can get on that horse and ride him really hard for an hour or two to make him thirsty. Isn't that marketing? To get people so thirsty for what you do and they want. <laughs> Erica, you're dying over there. Not expecting that. That was fantastic. I like it. I got to say. Let's let's make people thirsty to get involved with our causes so that they will happily give. God says in his Bible, God loves a cheerful giver. I'm cheerful because I'm part of something that's making an impact in people's lives. Thank you for allowing me to be part of it. Do your marketing like that. You don't have to sell a thing. Yeah, I love it, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for being game for having me follow up and answer the question. Listeners, we'll have all the ways that you can contact Michael. Sounds like there's there's one, paperbackexpert.com. Super easy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing the work you do. As always, do good, be well, and we will see you next time. What did you think of that conversation with the one and only Michael DeLon? Uh, like I said, he he just has so much to say about credibility marketing. I hope that you were taking notes, um, got some really good tips. Uh, if you want to talk about how to, you know, put into practice some things he talked about and um, generate some additional ideas, I invite you to the Ask Me Anything, which we are hosting on the third Thursday of the month. All you need to do is go and sign up for it so we know that we can look forward to seeing you and that information is in the show notes. So that's what I got for you today. I hope you have a terrific day. Do good, be well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Communicate for Good podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would right here, right now, go rate and review the podcast. Your review will help even more purpose-driven leaders, teams, and organizations learn how to use words to change the world. To find more ways that communication can help you increase awareness, revenue, and impact, head on over to www.claxon.communicationnos.com.